Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 16th, and we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 47, the third paragraph, which begins, That Was Great News for Us. Today's readers are Dana B. on the 12 Steps, Sandy D. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Michelle H., Penny C., and Janice C. Janice M. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, April 15th, is 6191. Our preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dana B. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Kathy. This is Dana B. I'm from Colorado. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Dana B. I will now ask Sandy D. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, Sandy B. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought not <clears throat> ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. (coughs) 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank, Thank you. you, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. When you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book on page 47 the third paragraph that begins, this was good news for us. And I want to just remind everyone that uh, yesterday we read Spiritual Experience, the appendix in the back of the book, um, and uh, we continue to explore what that means going forward. Okay, I would like to ask Michelle, would you get us started, please? Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for your service. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. 
That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. And, um, yes, it starts out saying, you know, this was great news to us. This is great news for us. And, um, you know, yesterday we did, you know, read about the spiritual experience that Kathy mentioned. And, um, you know, what's great news for me is that, you know, the spiritual experience noted that most of us um, have a spiritual experience of the educational variety that it's a process, and it happens slowly over time. And that, that was good news for me. And, and the um, uh, previous paragraph that basically it says that if I um, am even willing to believe that there's a power greater than myself, that as soon as I am willing to believe, um, those you know, first recovered people are assuring me that, that I can be on my way. And this... This paragraph, you know, tells me about my doubts, about some of my prejudice, some of my preconceived ideas, or actually the Big Book Dictionary says prejudices are opinions formed without due knowledge or examination. And, um, and that reminded me of our discussion yesterday about contempt without investigation, that, you know, how my mind can be closed under those circumstances. And when I first came in and reading this paragraph, um, I was recalling my prejudices and how my mind um, was closed-minded at first on these things. And, and the recovered people who wrote this, you know, were aware of that because, you know, I had these same kind of same kind of thinking that, well, you know, if I had the faith that some of these recovered people have, you know, then I could make it work. I thought that's where I had to be. And um, it was... It was something I, I needed to learn, um, you know, and was taught that, you know, this is great news. I just need to be at a place where I'm willing to believe. I wanted to already have what recovered people had and thought only only if I was there, then it would work for me. And there's so many things that, that you know, that recovered people are embracing that I'm not embracing right now. So, you know, how is this going to happen for me? Is this really going to be possible for me? And, um that was, you know, something as I've reread this chapter that that really stuck out to me where I was before. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. And so I was limiting myself. I was blocking myself. I was already setting myself up with that prejudice and that belief and becoming aware that I had that belief and that I had that prejudice. Um, then I could see that this was a stumbling block for me. And I'm being reassured, no, no, no. Um, all you have to have, Michelle, is a willingness to believe. And, you know, I'm being reassured, and it is comforting. It is so comforting to learn that I, I don't have to have all the answers and I don't have to be that far along in my faith, and I can make use of these spiritual principles. Um, it is possible for me. It is a comfort. It is great news. Um, and for me, I had to let go of the notion that because I had some spiritual training, I thought, that... Um, you know, that these weren't stumbling blocks for me, but they really were. I had to let, you know, I had to see that it was important to let go, to lay these aside, to let go of what I already thought and to embrace it and just say, okay, 
Let's start over. I am willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself. It's not me, and um, and this will work for me too. And so it is great news and great hope. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Who would like to read, uh, share on this paragraph this morning? This is Katie Allen. Okay, I heard Katie and then Melanie. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. You know, I, I, uh, I had to begin at a much simpler level, which was, uh, you know, putting down the food and picking up what um, the rest of my life. And I didn't have to pick up the rest of my life all in one day. I was famous, you know, I was in OA for six years before I got an abstinence that stuck. And so all of those other times, I would say, yes, but. You know, yes, I'll do what you say until this happens. Yes, I'll do what you say until that circumstance, and then I'm going to do it my way again. And I thought that my way was going to um, not burn me this time, you know. So it had to start at a simpler level of just um, following directions, and I didn't have to worry about tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. And that has translated into literally thousands of days of, of, um, of recovery. When before, I would look at other people and their relationship with God and how they did their life and everything just seemed so perfect. And I would compare that to my life and think, I will never measure up. I will never be there. And, you know, they, uh, you know, there's so many analogies that we can use of, um, of making life work one minute at a time. You know, the Great Wall of China, the, you know, climbing Mount Everest. I mean, all of those things happen through taking one step. And that's all we're asking people to do today is, you know, if I'm, if I, when I'm talking to a newcomer, it just seems like people can get so uh, caught up, just like I did, in thinking that all of these details are bigger than the details in everybody else's life, that their problems are bigger than everybody else's problems, and that it will never work. You know, this just won't work. Um, if you had my life, you know, you'd, you'd eat too kind of mentality. And that is the simple step that has to happen is to let go of my ideas, let go of what I think the outcome is going to be and just do the next right thing. And, you know, it works. Uh, it worked with the food, and now it works with every aspect of my life. And for me, that means a lot of times doing nothing, saying nothing, not reacting. Um, and that for an obsessive, compulsive, reactive, uh, get everything done no matter what kind of person that I am is extremely difficult. But God gives me the courage to do that. And, you know, uh, my life is so much better than what I pictured. So 
so I have to trust that it's so much better, then it's going to continue to be so much better. That doesn't mean I'm never going to get sick. I'm never going to die. I'm never going to run out of gas. My car won't break down. The house won't fall apart because it's old and on and on with the things that are still going to happen, even though I'm abstinent. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, KDF. Uh, Melanie. Hi, thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon this morning. And when I look at this, I am visualizing my way of doing my life, and that is I do a bunch of it in my mind and in my head, and I don't put it to practical use. So when the first line says, that was great news to us, we or we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles. And make use to me is putting something into practical form. And I need to keep my mind focused that this is step two, that I came here to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And as it was explained to me as I was going on, it made sense to why I wasn't getting what I was doing, that I had no power to be able to apply the, the morals that I thought that I was trying to live by or to put into use being kind and loving or to not lie or steal or cheat or all those things that I did but you know much less consider the idea of being able to put my food down that I had lacked that particular power so when they described to me that I would come in here to begin the process of unraveling all that so that there could be a power greater than me that would, in fact, start behaving in that way. And then I would stand almost aside being shocked that that was happening coming from me was where this was going to happen. And I was just absolutely thrilled. And I hang tight to this idea, make use of spiritual principles. And they helped me to unravel, to be at that raw, 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 very firm beginning of starting over, quite frankly, starting over. Katie had said a lot of the things I had wanted to, so I will just kind of leave it at that. This is, in a practical sense, being aware that I would not do those things in my life that move me towards a successful, uh, vital, vibrant kind of life, starting with the idea that I had no power to put the food down and that you were going to show me. I came here to believe by practical use, making use of these spiritual principles, putting these things into action, and that they made it very simple. Let's just start at the beginning, Melanie, one thing at a time, and understanding that it will build to that place that you thought that you were already at or that you were trying to achieve by going from step one to step 25. And in fact, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Kathy. Larry, um, <clears throat> recovered compulsive over a year from Chicago. Um, I, I like the part, just because it speaks directly to me, um, when people presented us with, a, with uh, spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believed. That makes me smile. Um, <laughs> because I hear that from time to time. Oh, Larry, I wish I had what you had. If I, you know, I want what you what you seem to have, you know. And I think I smile, and my higher power. I picture my higher power smiling and laughing too, because um, if you could have followed me around for the first five years in program, 
Um, I don't think you'd want what I what I had, let alone prior to that. So, um, you know, decades of of um, intellectualizing and rationalizing, you know, and and just kind of um, figure trying to find a softer landing, and it was never there. So the guy the guy you hear today is a different guy, and I and I'd like to tell you, I really got my uh, my stuff together, you know, that I, I did this for me. I put this all together. I finally, me, 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 put this all in place. Um, that, that would be wrong. That that's not what happened at all. It's not, not, not nearly what happened. You know, what happened to me was, um, I just gave up. I just, I just gave up. And, uh, that might sound real pessimistic, it's very counterintuitive. So what do you tell me now? I got to give up. I don't have to work the steps. So that I hope you're not hearing that message. That's not. I I gave up. St- you know that that old way of rationalizing, debating, doing all that stuff, and I just got busy working the steps. Really, for me, believing that level of surrender, believing it wouldn't work. I was going to prove that it didn't work. You know, just watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna work these stupid steps done steps I've been hearing for you know for for years and uh I'm going to just show you how how ridiculous this whole fictional thing is you know that was kind of the sentiment and uh the joke was on me I I love the fact that the joke was on me see this program is simple uh a price had to be paid it's simple but it's not easy you know and we can we can go on to the bitter end you can't you know, there's someone on the line that's that's very bitter and 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 resentful, and uh, it's okay. That was me too. I'm I'm just like you. That's what I was. You know, and uh, and they're they're heavy in spirit and heavy in in physical form, and they're just they're they're at their wit's end, and and that was me. You know, and and so, gosh, if a wretch like me, this could happen. You know, where where I just all I did was um, I didn't even change. My, I didn't change my faith. You can't change your faith. I don't believe. I just worked these steps. God changed me. God said, this is a spiritual program. You know, if, if you're not, uh, in my opinion, I don't speak for OA, if you're not interested in the spiritual program, um, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, whether you're a, an, an addict like me, a compulsive reader or not, what are you doing here? Why waste another minute of your time? Go find another solution. This is not, this is a spiritual solution that works. Thank you, God, you know. So anyways, um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathy. Bye-bye. Monica. Hi, Monica. Go ahead and share. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Melanie. My name is Monica. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered here. That was great news to us, for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. So they're telling us here, don't get nervous, don't get all, you know, all about all of the spiritual stuff. They're saying up above, they said, they asked us a question. It was a yes or no answer. 
Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe in a possibility of a power greater than me that could help me out here? And, um, you know, I would I had been backed up into the corner and I was desperate and I was scared and I saw something in other people. They said, yes, there is a way here. And so I was willing to say, yes, yes, I am willing to believe that there's something. I see it in it, something that's happened to you all, just like Bill saw it in Abby. Something had happened to him, and Bill knew it wasn't Abby. And so that's where I came from, too. It's like, I don't understand all of this. I, I'm, I'm not too sure about all this stuff, you know, all this God stuff. Either God is everything or God is nothing. I wasn't too sure about any of that. But I was powerless, and I was scared, and I was in a corner. And it was like, well, gee, what do I have? Um, um, what else can I do here? You know, I've tried everything else. I spent 50 years trying everything else. So it was good news. It was good news to hear that just being able to say yes. And like above, my sponsor said to me, well, I emphatically assure you, you are on your way with just saying yes. And she kept saying to me, trust the process, Monica. Trust the process. You said the yes. Now are you willing to trust the process and do the work? And of course, that was work through the steps. And so it was comforting to learn that I could commence at this very simple level of just saying yes, you know, because we're, we're great people of, uh, you know, we got to have all this understanding, we got to have all this figured out before we can say yes and go on. And they're saying, no, 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 you don't have to understand any of this right now. Just have a willingness and want to do this. And um, wow, wow. Um, on that simple cornerstone, on that simple little yes, my life changed by working the steps. It is a process. It takes time. It happens over time. But, you know, like they're all saying here, yes, we have a way out. And I pass. Thank you, Monica. Who else would this like This is Katie to... G. from Boston. This is Janice. Hi, Katie. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered from Boston. Grateful to be here on the line. Um, I just wanted to share, I really identified with this line. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had that what that man has. I'm sure it would work if only I could believe if he believes. Like, I remember being in relapse and calling people and being like, if only I could do what they do. And I didn't get it, right? Like, I thought, okay, well, maybe I should go and become a born-again Christian. Nothing wrong with born-again Christianity at all. But it's not the steps, right? There's no, I mean, if I am uh, blocked from God, which is where I was, where I stood at step two, still blocked from God because of the manifestations of self, of my disease, going to church isn't going to enlarge for me this addict's spiritual life. It's just not. Um, and I just, I, 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 I would engage in self-pity. I would um, think, you know, there's no way, like there's no way. It came from this insecurity within myself that I thought there's no way that this like amazing God who I can't even conceptualize has a place for me in his life. But it's amazing because we can, we can commence at a simpler level. 
like I've been sharing recently, like all I knew was I was powerless. I have no power, choice, or control when it comes to food. I can't do anything. Once I put that food in my body, it's the drug of no choice. But when I am not eating, I can't stop myself from starting again, right? I am without power, choice, and control. And more significantly, like my life is completely unmanageable. I cannot manage my own life. And when I do, I'm in deep deep trouble. But the most amazing thing, and what I love that other people have been sharing, is that it is such a process. Like, yes, I say that I'm recovered for today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, but my God continues to grow and change. And, you know, if God were small enough for my addict's mind to conceptualize, okay, God, how are you going to take care of this one? How sad. Because as page 100 says, we find that the things we place in God's hands are better than we can imagine. And so all I knew at this point was my sponsor. All I knew was that what I was doing was not working. And I saw the fire in my sponsor's eyes. And you can hear the fire in people's voices on this line. People who have been restored. People who shouldn't, we shouldn't be alive today. I should be dead. I'm living on borrowed time. The fact that something has changed for them is enough for me today. And I, it is so comforting to learn that I just need this willingness, this little mustard seed of, okay, okay, maybe there's something bigger than me, and okay, maybe, okay, I'm just going to keep going forward with these steps. Just keep walking. Don't eat and keep walking because there are miracles. There are promises as the result of every single step we do. So hang in there. If you're on the other side and you're not feeling connected with God, look at your step 10 and 11. Let God expand in your life. It is a privilege to be on this line this morning, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie G. Uh, Did I hear someone else who wanted to share on this paragraph? Just briefly, Janice M. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Kathy. Yes, good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, if you're new... You know, the big book doesn't say we have a monopoly on this, but we do say, like I had the experience, there was nothing left for me to do with my disease. I exhausted all kinds of methods using other higher powers in my life by me. They didn't work. They did not work. So when I came here, it said, okay, Um, We talked about a process. A process is from the beginning to the end. And all this second step is telling me is just start. Just, Just start and have a willingness. It doesn't say anything about faith. It doesn't read came to believe or came to know a God or came to have faith. It doesn't say all that. It just says came to believe in a power. So at this point, we don't have to have faith because that's down the line. That's what we get at the end, during or at the end of the steps. We start with the willingness to believe, you know, instead of the three R's, rejecting or recoiling or uh, resisting, you know. The three R's, let them set, set them aside. Just have a willingness to believe. Nothing that we don't have to compare with with other people. But like was said, we do see something different in these recovered people. Hmm. Wish I had their faith. 
Well, you don't right now if you don't. If you do, you do. But if you don't, it's okay. That doesn't mean you're not going to get recovered because it's a process. Start with the simple, simple willingness to believe, and it was it will be guaranteed. You know, it'll grow. We grow from willingness to believe, to believe, to faith. That's how it goes. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Okay, let's move on. Penny C., would you read the next paragraph, please? Yes, good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. Again, this is Penny C. And, um, oh, my goodness, like like I've heard other people, when I first started reading the big book and was introduced to the steps, I literally skipped this chapter more on agnostics. I was not an agnostic. I had this this faith and belief in in God that was um, probably superior to most other people. So I didn't need to read this or. I could not identify, and now as I read this, and the more times I do listen to it read on this line or talk about it with a sponsee or or even a sponsor, I see that I had this, this set way of thinking about God that nobody was going to influence and it wasn't the concept I had of God wasn't the one I have today. And finally, I became open. I was no longer handicapped by obstinacy, stubbornness, sensitivity, easily offended. If you didn't believe the way I did, I knew you were wrong and I knew you were going to be damned. So you better believe like I did. And unreasoning prejudice not using sound judgment about what I believed and what what other people might believe. So finally, I want to come down to this this very oft-repeated couple of sentences. In this respect, alcohol, for us, compulsive overeating, was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness reasonableness and reasonableness sound judgment good sense so i i didn't have the good sense to hear 
what other people were saying and and to be able to accept this this concept that I now have of a higher power who is everything to me, who is present, constantly present, and who's there to protect me, to help me, to give me an opportunity to be happy, joyous, and free. Not the old concept I had of a God that was out there keeping tabs on me, trying to catch me doing something wrong so I could be, I could be punished for it. So thank, thank goodness that I was almost forced into hearing what this chapter said. And if I wanted to keep listening to this, this line, and I became open and had the good sense, the good judgment to incorporate what other people had to say into my concept, which today is just one of the most beautiful gifts I have or the most, the most beautiful gift I have. So I'll pass with that and thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Kim. From Pittsburgh. Sarah. Okay, I heard Kim, Lauren, and Sarah. Was there someone else? Okay, go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered over here from South Jersey. And I'm going to zone in on one word that is handicapped. We were handicapped, and if I looked that up in the dictionary, and it says to restrict one's movement or ability to function. I mean, gosh, does that describe my disease? My disease restricted my ability to move. It, it, it absolutely did that for me. And why was that? Because I had to fully concede in step one that I have this allergy of the body that's never going to change. I am never, ever going to be able to safely eat certain foods or engage in certain behaviors. And that's a really, really bad problem. But my bigger problem is I have this mind. I have this mind that's always going to convince me that it's okay to pick up that food. Not only is it okay, it's the best idea I've had all day. That's what powerless means. I am not powerless when I'm three donuts into a dozen donuts. I'm powerless before I make a decision to have that donut. And I've conceded that in step one. So step two, I admit that I am handicapped by obstinacy, by sensitiveness, by unreasoning prejudice. That's all in the mind. Because the crux of the problem is in my mind. And I, too, like Tony C., ignored this chapter because I know God. And I would bristle with antagonism when anyone tried to tell me that God was my solution. Because I went through 12 years of religious school, that never helped me. What this is telling me is if I am handicapped, if I, my movement is restricted, if I have the inability to function, that I need a power. I don't know what that power is. I cannot define that power, but I need that power. And I'm seeing that in other people. Those people that seem to have access to a power greater than themselves are able to function, are not restricted in movement. And that need for that power is going to propel me to make a decision to seek that power. That's all that step two is. And for those of you who are like me, who have come in and out of OA over decades, 
in and out of the food, in and out of the food, in and out of the food. I bristled with antagonism. Everyone told me the 12 steps were the solution. I did the 12 steps. It never worked for me. But what I had to understand was I did the 12 steps the way I wanted to do them. Have I ever done the 12 steps the way the big book told me to do it, the way the original instructions were told? Absolutely not. And the big one for me was that I ever attempt these 12 steps abstinent the entire time? Absolutely not. I did them mostly abstinent, sort of abstinent. Well, I gave up everything but this or but that. The steps aren't supposed to work if we are not abstinent. We don't have the clarity of mind. I am still handicapped by obstinacy, sentiment, and I'm reasoning prejudice, and I am still in the food. So until I fully concede in step one, I can't move to step two. And when I'm in that need for that power, it's going to propel me to step three to make that decision to pursue that power. So all step two is is the acknowledgement that I need a power. That's what beat me into the state of reasonableness. The state of reasonableness was I am powerless. Therefore, I need a power. Short, simple, to the point. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Lauren S., go ahead, please. Thank you. Lauren S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right, step two. Step two. Now, we're in step two, which means for me, I was abstinent. Step one was in my heart, and I knew I had two options, insanity leading to death or pursuing this recovery with the same thread that I pursued my disease, and by gone it, you put your recovery before it all, you put it before it all, you know, you put it before before it all. The word destruction, faced with alcoholic destruction, step one. It reminds me on page 18 when they say, an illness of this sort involves those about us in a way no other sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it goes annihilation of all the things worthwhile in life. Is that true for me? Did engaging in compulsive overeating destroy everything in my life? For me, perhaps you're different. That's okay. That's your path. My path was it did. I wasn't uh, able to um, maintain relationships, a career, Um, commitments, emotional sanity, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know a way of living sanely with binging at the same time. And finally, you know, guys, just, okay. I'm not going to, you don't have to do this, but it might be helpful to just ask yourself some questions. Have I found myself handicapped by stubbornness, unreasonable prejudice? Did 
This was the food, a great persuader. Did it beat me? Did it beat me and bludgeon me into reasonableness? Would you please just speak for yourself and don't ask us, no. please? I'm sorry. Uh, Mary, okay. let me lead, please. Um, go ahead, Lauren. Just it's finish okay. That. It's okay. I, it's totally fine. Um, well, yeah, it, and it's just what helps me. If you don't want to ask yourself these questions, that's okay. That's okay. Um, thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren S. And Sarah, go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Sarah, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to all the newcomers. Um, I feel like this is a really important paragraph. Um, you know, I, I've read it many times before, and I think, you know, I think this is about the gift of desperation, that we have to get to that place where we're really beaten, where we're really at the point where we've done everything we can uh, to try to control this this um, this obsessive, compulsive behavior that we have around the food. And, um, you know, we're in so much pain. I mean, I've, I've been in so much pain in my disease. Uh, I came in in 95, you know, I, I was in a miserable marriage. I was uh, 222 pounds, uh, uh, was in therapy. I, the therapist actually directed me that way. And I, um, you know, I didn't have relationships with my, my children that were healthy. I didn't have relationships with anybody. I didn't have very many friends. Uh, I was really isolated and alone. And, um, you know, I really didn't have much of a of a grasp of any real higher power. I kind of thought there was something, but I certainly wasn't looking toward it to do anything for me. And, um, you know, I, I got abstinent very quickly and was working the steps. And for five years, I had um, really good reco- recovery. And um, I had a lot of life changes that I went through. And I started slowly taking back old behaviors and wasn't working at 10 11 and um, ended up going back up, but even more so because it is so progressive to 278. And, um, you know, I think that, that, that the food is a great persuader. And, and at that point, I did some other things that were, uh, you know, controlling with the dieting, with different uh, programs that I got into. But what I realized is that my behaviors were the same and even worse. You know, my binging got worse, uh, my... my, my uh, egocentric, um, a lack of ability to connect with people and seeing people as the enemy and, and intolerance that came through. And that was really the state of unreasonableness that I had uh, that, that, you know, I, I was beaten to a pulp. You know, what am I going to do here? And really, as people have told me, it's the last house on the block. You know, what else can I do? And I knew that um, you know, diets were not my answer, and that really there was a soul sickness that I had, and that is what brought me to my knees. And I'm so grateful for that today, that I needed that. I needed that uh, humbling <laughs> relapse and the idea that I really wanted to have sanity in my life, not only around the food, but around relationships, around the way I feel about myself, and it really has occurred for me as I've worked these steps as diligently as I can. And what I know today is that 10, 11, and 12 have to be, you know, my recovery has to be the most important thing in my life, without exception. My higher power first, 
my recovery, and that everything else will grow and, and heal. And uh, I'm grateful for all of you, and I hope you keep coming back. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Sarah. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Good morning to the newcomers. Thank you, everyone, for your service today. We found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitivity, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. I remember my first OA meeting, dying and desperate of this disease. I'm, I'm going in, I'm identifying with everything that everyone is saying, and then there was a mention of God. I literally, because of where I was in my agnosticism at that time, obstinate to say the least, I stood up in that meeting and I walked out. Even having heard and even having seen the hope in other people's eyes, I still stood up and I walked out of that meeting because I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I was prejudiced to say the least. And thank God, someone followed me out of the room. And they had with them not a, not a, not a pamphlet about God or higher power. They had with them the, question, the 12 questions, are you a compulsive overeater? And uh, asked me to read it. And I have to say I answered yes to every single one. Because I was beaten to a state of reasonableness by this disease. As it says in step one, John Barleycorn, or in our case, Sarah Lee, was my best advocate because I had become powerless. And what she said to me was that, do you believe that you are powerless? Because if you believe you are powerless, you are welcome in this program and we have hope for you. And all you have to do is, like others have said, is to be willing Be willing to believe in a power greater than yourself. Be willing to believe in the power of those who have recovered, who have gone before. Be willing to believe that the steps will work because we stand before you recovered. You know, I got a sponsor, and and I balked with this. They talk about it being a tedious process. This is scary, folks, because people can stay in these rooms, like Kim or Katie was saying, for decades, struggling with the heart of the matter, which is humility, ego, which is surrendering, that I do not have the answer, that I, 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 my mind is warped when it comes to food, and that given my own will, even with all my willpower in other areas and all the things and accomplishments I can do, when it comes to food, somehow, some way, I will find myself five bites into a binge by saying to myself, how did I get there? But I still struggled with this concept of a higher power, and I remember my sponsor saying to me, look, I don't care if you think it's Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it's not you and as long as it's greater than you. And I finally had to concede, and I think what this paragraph is talking about, and someone mentioned earlier, too, is this idea of humility. This strikes at the heart of my ego that says, I cannot do this. I cannot, with my own mind, with my own will, fix myself of this disease. And that I'm not only going to have to be willing, I'm going to have to take instruction from people. I'm going to have to say to them, I don't know what it is I need to do. Please show me. You are recovered. I am not. This program is about ego reduction because if I can't get my ego and my will and my self-will and self-centeredness out of the way, I will never allow a higher power in my life, that's for sure. So I had to humbly concede to my innermost self, beaten by reason, beaten, beaten and pummeled by this disease saying, okay, I give. Yes, I am who you all say I am. I believe this disease to be what it is. I am powerless. I don't know about this higher power thing, but I am willing, and I will take instruction. I will act as if I know nothing when it comes to this disease, you know. 
It says in how it works. At some of these ideas we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas, but the result was nil, nothing, zip, nada, until we let go absolutely. We stood at the turning point. And this is what it's saying. This is the turning point. Do I say yes, as others have said? Do I be willing to be humble and take instruction and work this program like my life depends on it? If not, I'm going to be going through a very tedious, torturous, and painful process instead of a beautiful recovery through the 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. We have time for one more share. Who would like to share? Okay, I'll take a moment then. This is Kathy, a recovered compulsive overeater, and I really appreciate all the shares today. Um, I just wanted to add that for me, um, uh, the suggestion that I use the set-aside prayer in order to make me aware and enable me to put aside old ideas uh, was critical in my step two work. Um, That openness, being willing to cast aside all my old ideas about God, about spirituality, about faith, um, was really essential to beginning to receive uh, the gifts of a higher power in my life. And as others have stated, um, for me it was a very, very, very slow process, and it continues today only because of my willingness to make the time for connecting with my higher power and my honesty um, in really bringing to my prayer and meditation what's on my mind and heart. And with that, I pass. Okay. Um, It's now time to bring the meeting to a close. Uh, I want to thank everyone who has shared We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Janice M., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Thank you. My name is Janice M., and our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I will now ask everyone to press star one so that we can say the serenity prayer together.
morning again, Kathy CDC, Kathy K, rather. Thank you for your service today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon today to extend an invitation from a vision for you for those that are on the line this morning that haven't um, introduced yourself. If you're interested in doing that, this is the time to be able to do that. And you can do, um, how many times am I saying this? Do that by pressing star one on your phone keypad and unmute you to be able to speak. And we'd love to be able to greet you. Just a side note, if you're looking for telephone numbers of those that spoke today or any other number that you might think that we could have an offer to you, or if you're looking for a guide, a sponsor to get you through those steps today and need those telephone numbers, or if you have questions about the big book or the program of recovery. We're going to offer you an opportunity for all that kind of conversation coming up straight away after announcements here at the end of the second hour of sharing that's going to continue. But in the meantime, what we're looking for is to be able to greet those folks that have never stepped up on the vision for you to say hello and introduce yourself. I would love to be able to greet the first one this morning. Good morning to you. I need to press star one on your phone keypad so that I can hear you. Good morning, Miss Sam. Hi, good morning, good Sam. Morning, Did you say Did Sam? You say I'm sorry, I think I'm that's sorry, an echo. I'll try that again. I think that the echo stopped now. I think that I heard someone by the name of Sam. If you would press star one on your phone keypad, and then I can hear you again. And we can speak. Okay, would you spell that for me? Because it's still an echo, and I'm not quite catching it. A-N-N-E. There, that works out better. (laughs) Thank you so much. And would you like to leave your telephone number for a contact call? Yes. My number is 518-755-3325. And in what state and time zone are you calling from? Uh, New York, Eastern Standard Time. And how about the first initial of your last name, please? C. You like Charlie? Ah, perfect. Thank you. Thanks for hanging in there with me, and welcome to Vision for You, Anne. Welcome. How about anyone else? How about anyone else this morning? Press star one on your phone keypad. Good morning. 